0: Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Natural and Kosher Cheeses, when quality and flavor meet. <clears throat> for those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman, and I'm about all the food, all the time. I love food. I love shopping for it, cooking it, eating it, eating at restaurants, anything food-related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called The Aussie Gourmet. I give cooking classes. I cater for people, for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, and for Pesach. I am in the throes of Pesach already, and it's only just after Purim. Anytime you don't feel like cooking, you can give me a call, and I hope you'll tune in every week to hear about my exciting cooking adventures, kosher food traveling, and sharing of great ideas and recipes, and my amazing guests. But I want to hear about your experiences too, so email me, Naomi, at com. You can join my fan page, The Aussie Gourmet, on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and you can join my newsletter through my website, TheAussieGourmet.com. So if you eat it, share it. Love to hear from you all. What a crazy week we all had this past week. Um, Purim was last week, so last our show last week was on Shushan was an encore show. So uh, it was pretty exciting uh, week. We were actually in Chicago um, and did a bunch of restaurants there. Um, love Shallots and, of course, Milts and um, Emma's, which was noisy and busy, and in a good way, noisy and busy. It had an amazing atmosphere. So um, I had been there a few weeks before, so I was back there again. It was just just a fabulous place to go to eat your way through Chicago. But, you know, uh, Purim was amazing. I ate way too many hamantashans. Melinda Strauss of kitchen-tester.com. You've been on the show many times. I just want to give everybody a acknowledgement of your amazing hamantaschen recipe of the bagel, lox and cream cheese inspired hamantaschen. That was outstanding, unbelievable. A lot of my blogger friends wrote some beautiful recipes and, and you can uh, go to the, if you have the Jewish home from the five towns, you'll see all the great uh, roundup I did but yours was outstanding so Make sure you follow uh, Melinda Strauss from Kitchen Just Tested because hers were uh, over the top, over the top. So we have an exciting show. You know, we've we've got Purim is now behind us and Pesach in front of us. And I pulled myself away from my Pesach kitchen. I've, I can't even tell you how much food I've already made. I've already filled like three freezers of food um, for people that I cook for for Pesach, and I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. But I love being here, and I love coming to the studio, and I love talking to people. And I have I have Beth Warren here, good friend of our of the network and of mine, and I have Yossi Horowitz also going to join us, aka Yossi's Corkboard, and we're going to talk food and wine and maybe not gaining a million pounds over Pesach. How am I going to do that? Welcome, Beth Warren. How are you?
1: Thanks so much for having me again.
0: Oh, my pleasure. I think this is the third time already. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like my go-to, like, health guru. Yeah, well,
1: you know, people start to get anxious around these times, so it's good to kind of bring me in to try to calm everyone down. <laughs> I know,
0: please calm me down. I just <laughs> now lost, it's almost a year, I just, like, lost the weight from last Pesach. I'm so fortunate to go to the Joral in Miami right. for Ram Caterers, and I give cooking classes. Right, yeah. And I try to stay healthy, but it's so hard. Portion controls and, and food everywhere and, you know, just getting off your sugary high from Purim, like,
1: yeah, and it's also a long holiday, so people struggle with that as well. It's not just the one day that we have for Purim. It's, it's a eight days, you know, so that's very difficult for people because you can't just indulge one day. It's going to carry over. And there's so many different parts to the holiday. You know, the Chag part and then the Cholamah this week, this time is really long weekdays. Right. And it's
0: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday night is again. Yeah. Yom and to. that
1: time, especially if people are going to be working or they're going to be doing trips with their families, then what's going to happen is they they might not eat all day because then there's not what around them. And then they're going to come home at night and just eat all the chips and the whatever Passover stuff they could get. So there's two things you have to worry about. The Chagim, where you're just kind of sitting and eating and sitting and eating. And then the Cholamod, when you're so busy running around and then you're not eating. So there's really two struggles. So how do we find a balance? The thing is with Pesach is you can't get caught up in the fact that things are all restricted. Oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. What am I going to do now? I, I don't have my this. I don't have my that. Don't get overwhelmed by it. If you really focus on what the goal of Pesach is in terms of food, it will be okay. So we have to just start. Focusing on the less processed foods, which is what the goal of my whole book, "Living a Real Life with Real Food," is. I talk about how we should kind of take that step back to how we used to be when we traveled in the in the desert and we do the man and we really made things from scratch, and um, that's what Pesach really. Sh- we should embrace that about it. So if we stop relying on all these boxed packaged goods that are really, you know, really processed, high in sugar and all this other or stuff in there. oils. On yeah, hydrogenated bad- oils which in about five years are going to be extinct anyway so I don't know what we're going to do then. Let's hope. Let's yeah, hope. they're taking them out of the food products, thank God. I don't think we should really call it a food product. Yeah, whatever <laughs> that is. It probably stays from one Passover to the next Passover without yeah. even refrigeration. Wow. <laughs> um, so if we if we stop relying on that and just say, you know, let, let me go back to cooking fresh, let me let me bake fresh goods, let me you know do all those kinds of things, which I brought some things here, um, then we, we already won't start out on a wrong foot. Also, we rely very heavily on carbohydrate in our just normal day-to-day American diet. And what this Pesach does for us, it gives us a challenge not to rely and go into a meal thinking carbohydrate first, because we don't have bread anymore, and we don't have all these pastas and things that we could have. So you got to think the way I see it vegetables first so you or fruits first and you say you know what let me start as that as my base and then build my meal around that and then it has a whole different focal point for you instead of saying let me get matzah, 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 matza, there's so many other foods you could embrace now
0: okay can walk me through a meal okay walk so me, like, for
1: example like i use i try to not Matzah is there for you. We don't have to worry. You know, matzah is there. So uh, if you always, you'll have it at some point. So what I do is I I think of fruit more as a base sometimes for my meals, Um, like for lunch, for example, where fruit also has sugar and fiber. So it is going to fill you and it is going to, it has a water content. So you're going to feel fullness from it. You don't need to have a starch. So I would have, let's say, a cottage cheese and fruit in my lunch instead of doing, um, you know, on a matzah. Is this on, on Yeah. On a moed, okay. for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good idea to do that using fruit as the base instead of the matzah as the base. Um, instead of having Kodoshies on matzah, just have Kodoshies and, and fruit. fruit. Yeah. Cool. And you can have a bigger portion cause it's, it's mealtime. So you can have like a full cup of, of a mixed fruit mix with two cups of it even for a meal because one cup is a snack right. and then you have that with cottage cheese and then that's a nice meal also you know we forget about salads and and if you take a minute before you go out on your khalomahd routine to kind of make your little um, container of salad with tuna you could still have these foods and then you know, don't rely so heavily on the matzah. If you did want to have matzah, it's not a crime. It's just that it's you should get the whole wheat. There's so many varieties now these days. Right, There's even oat matzah. Oat matzah. I yeah. I saw that. And I love that for the gluten-free people who have to be gluten-free. I'm so happy for them that they have a matzah. Right. Um, even shmura comes in now. So. Shmura oat Yata. Yeah. yeah, it's expensive, but they have it. Of course it is. <laughs> which means that you won't have it so much, which is okay, right right, right? right. So, um, that's important. And, uh, you know, Greek yogurts are around now that are halal Israel and, um, kosher for Pesach. And you could get plain and have fruit with that as well. Um, you know, nuts and all these foods are are something you could incorporate as more protein, right, healthy nuts fat. Nuts is a good snack. Yeah, um, exactly. Nut-based snacks. I would probably pick nuts and fruit as a snack, um, yogurt and fruit as snacks, um, things like that where you're not so so reliant on the snack bag or the you know the chips bag you you don't even have to go there um the reality is is that people who really hoard all these packaged like chocolates and macaroon things and whatever it kind of just sits there and really a lot of people don't even eat them so you have to just think outside the box with with what foods you could prepare um i did make a muffin here um for you here yeah you bought me a muffin (laughs) yeah well they kind of came out to be like a little cookie but is this a pesach ticket (laughs) yes This oh, is for Pesach. Yay! Yeah. So um, these are made out of almond butter, almond meal, or almond flour. It smells good. Right. Um, vanilla and like a baking powder, and um, you could even use an almond milk. It comes in a box kosher for Pesach, the boxed variety, um, okay. and and an egg. It it satisfies the sweet tooth, right? smells amazing. All right, yeah. let's pass, give one to Yossi yeah. and
0: one to ZK. We've got to try this. So, so we are having a Pesach tikka cookie muffin. Yes.
1: So it, it really satisfies that like cakey <laughs> thing. You could play with this recipe a lot. Mine came out a little bit um, like greeny a little. Mm-hmm. But even for people who don't use anything processed, like they won't even buy almond flour in a package, you can make it your own with taking almonds and just grinding them up. That is what almond meal is. Okay, so it really satisfies that sweet tooth with being high in protein. This needs and needs a not nice agreed.
0: cold glass of milk.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really sweet. I put my kids actually made physically made these ones for me. That's why they made them cute and small. And they kind of just pressed in four chocolate chips instead of pouring all these chocolate chips in a batter. You know, when you have to do that, and then like they're all clumpy on the bottom, and then one gets like tons and one gets none. So it's good to kind of like press them in as before you bake them. They take like, about ten minutes to bake. You could also make this into a pancake. So instead of doing the matzo meal pancake. That's interesting. Yeah. And it comes out so nice and it probably comes out fluffier and even more fresh. It's good to have these as fresh as possible. um, And Everything's always good fresh. Yeah. Everything's always good fresh. And these have no grain. You know, I make these without being Pesach. I I try in general not to focus on, um, you know, all grains in my... Foods. If you just kind of think of all your options you have to make something into, you know, a cookie or a muffin, then you stop needing so much um, grain, and and Pesach becomes a lot easier. And you could still find these things to satisfy your sweet tooth. You could even use these for breakfast and have, like I said, with the pancake or having a few of those.
0: You know what? You know what? I take my regular recipes and I make them Pesach meaning like they're already Pesach right? Because you have protein and you have natural ingredients in them. There's really not a lot. I don't put, I don't eat so much carbohydrates or sugars and stuff. Exactly. Processed foods in my regular food. So I'm just doing proteins with fresh garlic or fresh, you know, well not fresh salt, but salt and you know olive oil and that's how
1: they just happen to be pesach. Exactly. And these days you could get xylitol kosher for pesach. Um, What is xylitol? Xylitol is a sugar alcohol. It's not sugar and it's not artificial. So Meaning it's not a Splenda type of thing, so it's a natural sweetener that we could use in baking. It comes out really well in baking. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not um, a big baker, so I don't. Right. So it, it's not. It, it's definitely sweeter than sugar, so you have to play with the um, proportions of how much you need. Um, but it is a good alternative to use. I use that, let's say, in my coffee during um, the holiday. Um, and also there's coconut oils, kosher for Pesach, which is a nice oil to use. It's becoming more and more available
0: yeah. in the kosher supermarkets. Yeah. I know Gome Glide has so much coconut oil. you can buy, I bought this huge one at Costco the other right. day. We go through a lot of, happen to go through a lot of yeah, coconut could oil. Yeah, you use it in a lot of things. I put, it does give it that coconut it undertone. Mm-hmm. But we started making challah with our...
1: Yeah, it depends um, on the recipe and, and kind of what... How much of that flavor comes through? Yeah, it doesn't. doesn't uh, we really did. We did.
0: Co- we used coconut oil, and we threw a whole ton of fresh garlic into the dough mixture. Yeah, so it was a garlic. Oh, color. But I was nervous that the it sweetness. would be because of the coconut oil. Yeah,
1: and it turned out fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, phew. Yeah, because you it know you're serving it to
0: guests. You're like, oh, I hope this is gonna work out. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but it's really nice oil to use. Um, and there's another um, grain that we technically can use. Only it's it's botanically a fruit which is quinoa. Oh. Yeah. So I had like a quinoa extravaganza in my kitchen when I said I was going to bring it. A lot of people, it's becoming pretty widely accepted to eat. Yeah, we had Rabbi Elephant sit in that seat right there two yeah. years ago, right after the
0: OU put its on it. I'm so
1: happy. It. I'm so happy. And I said, <laughs> after
0: 2,000 years,
1: Ashkenazis have something to eat on Exactly. Pesach. Because well, like, I'll Pesach! tell you, I happen to be Syrian, and I, I could have rice on Pesach, so... The thing is, is you you know, Ashkenaz now could have the quinoa, and I'm going to show you the, the things that we make now you can make with quinoa. So we stuff grape leaves. Old Jews stuff everything, right? So yeah. <laughs> we um, stuff grape leaves, and usually there's rice mixture inside. Correct. But you can use quinoa mixture. And it looks really gooey here, but that's because it's just so good. It happens to be parv. It's not okay. even meat. You could put meat in there. You could make a ground meat mixture with the quinoa. Um, we call that hashu, and you make that inside the grape leaf, it but this is good. carved. So and where do you get grape leaves from? I don't even know. Any, it's I'm really asking No, it's in a lot of supermarkets. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. How does it come? It comes in a jar. It's pickled. It's like a pickled... And then you open it up, you take yeah, it out, you leaf. unroll it. Yeah, and my brother-in-law's... And then uh, you re-roll yeah, it. Yeah, my brother-in-law's mother is actually from Syria, and she'll literally find the grape leaf tree and take them off and brine them herself. So you don't have to do that. But, you know, like a shop, right? or these days gourmet glass, um, supermarkets, I live in Brooklyn in my area, all have them. They come in a jar. They're called grape leaves. Um, you take them out. They're like literally a nice leaf. It looks like it came from the tree. And then you put the mixture in of the quinoa mixture and you roll it up. So I'm going to have these websites, this, uh, these recipes on my website for you guys. Like when, when And you, what is the name of your website? It's www.bethwarrennutrition.com you just got to make sure you spell nutrition right. Yes. And I also <laughs> sign up for the newsletter because I also give a kosher for a Pasach list, a healthy list. Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah. That's great. You know, I just shared on, on Facebook someone, um, kosher on a budget, um, on on her Facebook page, she shared things like, um like, the best foods you can eat on Pesach, and I yeah. shared that with people, and they were like really happy that. Oh the, yeah, it's one of my most foods.
1: popular lists because people really don't know what to buy, or or you you kind of you're so overwhelmed that you just you you glaze over products and you don't realize like how you could use them or what you could do with them. So I also have just the simple quinoa salad. This is in my book. This is living a real oh, life with real okay. food. Okay, Beth yeah. has a great
0: book. Let's just take a second to give your book a, and we'll come back to it uh, a little bit of a shout out. Yeah, living, if you're watching on our Nacham Siegel YouTube channel on Nacham Siegel Net, um, living a real life with real food. How to get healthy, lose weight, and stay energized the kosher way. And that's sort of like it's directed for us kosher ladies.
1: Yeah. It's my, and men. And yeah. And it's my now diet we- strategy with the kosher market in, in mind. And there's also tons of recipes in there that could be used for kosher for Pesach. So um, then I, you could also put quinoa in nori wraps. So this is like sushi.
0: Oh, that's cute. Can you I, know, can Nori wraps. Yeah, we're gonna, we're
1: gonna eat soon. Nori wraps are kosher for Pesach, which is awesome. Yeah, they have, to have a they have to they have, have a shop. They have to have a hechsha. Yeah, yeah. But once your supermarkets turn over, you know, they, I I found them in even the most random yeah, yeah the most random random places. places.
0: You can find
1: OU products. Yeah, in the middle of like nowhere. We'll talk a little bit. We are exactly it definitely places. A He's found food, but. The quinoa you could put in there and also... Can take one? Yeah. It's it's a little bit... It might fall apart on you. You have to get the technique, right? Okay. Well, you've done a great job, Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, you could also make a cashew, which Mm -hmm. I'll have on my website. You could make a cashew paste type of thing and wrap it with that. And guess what? All these recipes are part of like a cleanse or I call it a kosher cleanse. They're all part of like my normal everyday diet. And now you could use these things as Passover. So again, you just... Think of Passover as something that you could embrace being cleaner, not more processed. You right. know, you it's, want to be cleaner. Right. That's and, what it is. You yeah.
0: Know, I remember last year at, at the Doral and I had such a great time and the food was unbelievable. But the food there is, um, you know, it was everything was gluten-free. You had everything and I was not looking forward to going back to eating all that heavy processed food. Right. Because I was eating a lot of fish and salads and... Right. Okay, there was a lot of cake too. Don't get me wrong. Hamburgers, Ari White was down there. You know, like doing his barbecue. We definitely ate a lot, a little too much, but
1: and most of it was clean eating. Yeah, it's because it's very fresh. Yossi, can and I maybe one of these? My final thing, which is the yes. best, the best, the best, the best thing you could do. So you could take quinoa actually and very simply make it into a crust, like for pizza. Look oh. at that it's totally across gorgeous yeah. gorgeous
0: it's wait, she bought it in an aluminum foil yeah. oh this is beautiful we're gonna eat that in a little bit after the show We'll right. have some lunch together but i have to
1: tell you that it's one of those things that seem very it's one of those things that seem very intimidating but it's so easy so easy do you want to walk us through this yes all you do because i'm, I'm i make this i actually started making Lachmajin for pesach with this dough you could for sure all you do is um, you don't even have to cook the quinoa first, initially. You the basil soak it. The mm. best way to do it is to soak the quinoa. Um, it's made with quinoa? Yeah. It's a I quinoa it was crust. it be cauliflower? No. It's <gasps> a quinoa crust. What? Okay. I I'm told you just... I had a quinoa extravaganza oh in my, my kitchen. Oh, my God. Excellent. Okay, you go. See it, this is how many ways you could use it. Um, quinoa, quinoa pizza dough. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Table you for soak... two. This is the first time we've heard if this. If you take one cup of quinoa. This is like a personal pie, right? Like a nine-inch whatever. So you take a cup of quinoa, you soak it in two cups of water for like four to eight hours. So I I did it overnight. You don't even have to cook it. You just soak it. not initially, no. There's different recipes for this, but this one worked the best for me. Okay, everyone, Um, grab your pen and paper. Stop your cooking. Grab pen and paper, (laughs) or I guess you'll pick it up on the archives later. It's a breakthrough. One cup of quinoa, two cups of water in a container. I soak it overnight in the refrigerator. Done. Take it out. Drain it. Put it into a blender with a quarter cup of water. Blend it till it's like pasty. Okay, it looks like sand. I'm
0: so excited. Yeah. yeah. Then at the edge you, of my seat, you take me? it out.
1: You could put it in a, a iron, a cast iron skillet, or like the pie, the glass pie, um, Pyrex. Yeah, Pyrex. Um I heated the pyrex first like just to get it a little hot. Um I sprayed it cuz it was just easier to work with. You sprayed it and then you made it hot or you spray it? Hot, the- I made it hot and then I just quickly sprayed it. Okay. Okay. not sure if I needed to do both steps, but I would okay. think I wasn't sure how no, I love it love it come out. Then you put the pour the paste mixture in the pie in the in the um skillet or the pie or whatever you do. Um you bake it 10 minutes then on 350 which is just ground up st- that's soft. That's it. Yeah. And then you flip it over and bake it again 10 minutes. You won't believe how much of a crust it already becomes. Then you could do whatever toppings you want. You could totally make it just a pizza. Or what I did is I kind of sp- uh, put pesto sauce in it, um, arugula leaves, cheese, and some um, tomatoes. That's how I just did it. And it comes out like a personal pizza. You could put it back in the oven and then it melts. I love this Yes. It it holds up a lot better than the cauliflower crust. So cauliflower cauliflower crust. Which is great. And that's not even any green. So that's a nice a nice thing to do the cauliflower crust. But when you're dealing with kids sometimes they don't like love that because it's not really sticking. You know, it'll come apart. Quinoa crust literally holds, it holds really, really well. You see that I'm like speechless from this? Yeah. It's not unbelievable. No more matzo pizza. Like, no more matzo pizza. Oh, wait, not. Not even no necessary. way. You don't even have to. So, it, this really didn't even take long. Um, and it's probably a lot feeling, more filling because it is.
0: What and is satisfying. That, let's talk a little bit about what quinoa actually is because it hasn't been around
1: that long. Right. On the radar. My mother never gave us quinoa while growing up. Oh, yeah, so quinoa, it's it's, like I said, it's botanically a fruit technically, but the properties of it are very similar to a grain. So that's why I like, if I'm working with a nutrition strategy for people who, let's say, aren't vegan or vegetarian, I completely count it like a carbohydrate. So it's not confusing. So it's still like a half a cup to me cooked. Um, on a normal basis as a serving, there is a lot of protein in quinoa, though, more so than, let's say, a whole wheat pasta. And that's why it's filling. Yeah, longer. filling and satisfying. Protein gives a satisfaction factor. So it's very satisfying to eat it. It's 9 grams of protein per cup. So it's it could technically be a whole meal. So if you see, I just kind of sprinkled cheese on there. Between the sprinkle of cheese and the quinoa base, it would be enough protein because I combined the two. So even though there's not a lot of like an animal protein on there, there's not tuna on there or, you know, um, meat or, which you could, by the way, do all that too. Um, <laughs> y- there's not, there's a little bit of cheese. There's still a lot of pro- of protein in quinoa, so it balances. Can you make quinoa bread? I'm sure like, you could. I'm seeing Look something like did. this. Yeah. Right? I'm, Isn't I'm, it? I'm, what fascinates me about this is the fact that gluten, in, in it, it's gluten-free quinoa, right? Right. Because right. it's not a grain, technically. Right. Um, but... Gluten is what makes the adhesive in bread and doughs, yet quinoa holds up so well. So it's, like, fascinating to me. You it know, it stays together. It's much more, look, yeah. I like can lift it up. Yeah. You could take it and you could, like, literally fold it and eat it.
0: Does it freeze well?
1: That's always I my big question know. with Pesach.
0: I'm not sure. Because I plant, most of the cooking I do, I make in advance for my customers. So I it's wouldn't got to be tried see, and true. I wouldn't
1: see why it wouldn't. I right, well. just make
0: a whole bunch of discs, put them in between yeah. sheets of parchment paper, a ziploc bag it. Yeah. one as you need.
1: I don't see why it wouldn't freeze well. I'll probably go freeze think. it in the oven to toast it up a little bit. Yeah. You could, you could even, even try make them that. even thinner and make like literally a wrap with them. Like they they really held held up so well. Beautiful. I I'm found really the way I did it was the best. People cook it first and then blend it and then it's kind of clumpy. Okay. You know, I don't do that. So I could. just.
0: How dry does it have to be before you put in the...
1: Because cauliflower, when you do the cauliflower pizza, you you have to really wring it. Yeah, That's the hardest part of the whole recipe. No, nothing. I'm telling you, just drain it, like regular, you know, just drain it. And then put it in and then put a little more water in. The whole point is actually that it needs to be a little wet, so that's okay. I, I cannot get over it. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I know. I had to, and I can't explain enough how easy it was. It was so. It's like a foolproof method if you follow the method. Two seconds. Absolutely. I fantastic. find it. Easier I'm like, than I'm like blown Barbara.
0: away by this. Okay, let's try some of those great leaves, and okay, then we're gonna sure. switch and schmooze with Yossi. All about wine and food, my favorite topic. So the great leaves – Can I have a great leaf? Sure. I mean, a, a fork. A fork. Um, and a plate.
1: Yeah. The um. The grape leaf recipe is also in my book. So that I already okay, so always was a, making.
0: Right. But this is like converted for Pesach.
1: No, it literally, it was already, it was already kosher so re- for Pesach oh, because you could use quinoa. The,
0: right. Just you're switching rice out for quinoa.
1: Yeah. Well, in my book, it's as quinoa. Because oh, we already okay. know about all the okay, rice. I'm just
0: going to use mine. Okay.
1: So it has, it has like a sweet.
0: Mm. Oh my God.
1: You like it? So it's a sweet, sour flavor. Because we're very into using, like, prunes and apricots as, like, yeah, a sweetener. Out of everything, that's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's this totally is. worth the little patching you have to do.
0: Is it okay, can we make you a plate? Yossi. Mm. Mm. Too green for you. <laughs> um,
1: The the sauce, why it's so green, by the way, is because there's mint mixed into it. Mint is leaves. This,
0: is this hard to make?
1: It's it's definitely not difficult. It just takes a minute, you know, because you got to sit there rolling all the grape leaves. That's the longest part. No. Once you're making, you know, I had to make all these recipes for quinoa, so I just made a big pot. No. It's parv. Parv, completely parv. (laughs) Like I said, these are, like, really cleansing recipes, so it's, these are all part of my kosher cleanse, like, diet strategy. This is not normal. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Oh, my God. And you feel very fancy. It's really very, to serve this to people, you feel like you're very fancy. Like an appetizer. Okay, let's talk about it. Does this freeze well? Um, and again, all the tough questions. Absolutely freezes well. hundred percent. Okay, because I make them. every week. No, no, I paused because I was thinking the quinoa a second, but I, and now I'm thinking about it. I literally make yebre. It's called yebre. We call it yebre. Yebre. When stuffed yebre. Grape yebre. Grape yebre. Yeah, I heard stuffed that. Stuffed grape leaves, right? But oh, these are parrith. So usually our yebre is meat, and it's with rice and meat.
0: That's the best yebre I've had.
1: Yeah. Because I like the lemoniness. Some mm. people make it too sweet. I love lemon. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yum. Outstanding,
0: Beth Warren. You are a genius, oh, great. a culinary genius. We've got about a minute left before we got to wrap up. Talk to me uh, for a second. Give me a strategy. What's in one an elevator pitch for how we can just keep it going, keep it, keeping it real for the. yeah.
1: Well, first, you have to just focus on whole foods, real foods, as much as possible. Eat about every three hours. Don't get caught up in everything that you're not eating when you're supposed to be eating because that will prevent you from overeating later. Don't eat so late at night as much as we can avoid it with the Seder. Try to just have protein and vegetables when it's super, super, super late that you're eating and just drink tons of water. Try to stay active and really just embrace your family and get into conversation and make it a social thing and, and more about just the festive Part of the holiday, than just all about like heavy eating. You
0: did fantastic. That was yeah. a perfect elevator pitch for staying healthy and keeping it light and real on on Pesach. Thank you Good. so much for joining us. This no was problem. magnificent. I don't. Oh my god, I cannot get over that yerba. Uh, make sure you get Beth's book, um, Living a Real Life with Real Food. She's got this yerba recipe in the book. Okay, I've got to pull mine out from my to bring it down to my Pesach Good, kitchen. It. This was insane. Okay, awesome. Thanks thank for having me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm so glad we uh, made this work, because this was unbelievable. What a treat. What a treat. Beth Warren has been a guest on our show several times. Uh, My next guest is Yossi Horowitz, all the way from Manhattan, uptown, I should say. Welcome to the show, Yossi.
2: It is actually a very different place than down here. Right. So I was happy to come uh, cross-country, so to speak.
0: The historic Lower East Side.
2: Having a rebirth these days, I hear Yeah,
0: it's, it's unbelievable. I, I I lived down here for 10 years, um, and it's always fun coming back. I just met an old neighbor this morning um, as I was parking the car. It's always great to be down on the Lower East Side. It's a very special community. This is where kosher food really started. I don't know about that. Uh, no, in, the, in America. It was the first Jewish community. Certainly was
2: wine was uh, originated down here for many years. Wine, matter True.
0: There was actually a restaurant called Nachman's owned by my father-in-law and Uncle?
2: What kind of food they use.
0: I'm not sure. It was, it's been closed for about 60 years. So, Both my father-in-law and his brother have passed away. So it's Time a for a revival. Time for a revival. Yeah, we need some restaurants back here on the Lower East Side, but I believe some are coming. And I just went to the uh, new the revamped kosher store. They're um, renovating it, so it looks really much hippier and trendier than it has looked in the last few years. So. I can imagine. Yeah, so welcome to the show. Thank you. So Yossi runs a website called Yossi's Corkboard. He's all about wine,
2: right? Uh, this and is food. true. This and is food, right? This he loves is true. food too.
0: Don't get Don't get us wrong. Well, but don't call him a foodie. We are not foodies. We're just people who love. Food.
2: I really don't even know what that word means. <laughs> um, I actually write a, new, a weekly column about wine that goes out as an email newsletter. The website is more of a place to house some of the some of the newsletters. So if you go on the site, you can see some of the newsletters and read about different wines and different wineries and different things that relate to wine. But if you want to get it every week, as I assume anybody who listens to your shoe does show yeah. does, then you really need to sign up. It's free. It's an email once a week. Sometimes they go a little long. <laughs> um you know, as a lawyer being my day job, I tend to uh speak more than others sometimes. <laughs> but um but we the goal of the newsletter started I've been writing I guess for about a decade. When I first moved uh, to New York from Israel, and right around this time, right before Pesach, I started getting hundreds of emails from people who knew that I knew a little bit about wine, wanting to know what to buy, there are all these sales, what to do for Seder, what not to do for Seder, and things like that. And after I had responded to about 20 or 30 of these emails, pretty much writing the same thing over and over, <laughs> I was like, faith, this is silly, faith. this is silly. And I figured I would start you know, f- some friendly spamming, and I just put 200 people on an email list and started sending. How many you've got now? So I think now I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think it's a, just south of about 5,000 people. Oh, cool.
0: yesterday um, it was me, 5,001. <laughs> I did see that you signed up yesterday, um, <laughs> as I was preparing for the show. I
2: might not have agreed to come on the show had you not done that. Yeah, so, no, no, so no. It was, no, a, good no. Course, knew, it was course, a good move Of on course, of course. Do my research. And, um, I only really knew
0: about you from Ben seon Fuchs, our mutual friend.
2: This is true. Ben a like, good guy.
0: Got to get he- Yossi on the show, and then when I finally saw you at. KFW, I'm like, you <gasps> your Yossi
2: corkboard. Horowitz, but yeah, cork yeah. Works corkboard works too. I guess. Corkboard,
0: you know, it's
1: your little.
2: Um, and and the goal of the website really is, I, I'm I'm a big fan of finding, you know, not necessarily bargains, but good wines at all different price points. People constantly ask me, "What's your favorite wine? What's your favorite type of wine?" And when I tell them that I don't have one, everybody thinks it's just a line, but I really don't. You know, it's, wine is part of my everyday life, and. Um, you know, the wine that I'm in the mood for at any given time is impacted by what, know, you're hosta- what I'm reading, what I'm eating, what I'm feeling, where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm with, and, and you know, thank God these days there's probably twenty five hundred different kosher wines being made every year and there's something for everyone at every price point and all the time. Um t- for today's show I actually brought two wines that that are for the rest of Pesach, so to speak. You know, it's when with the Seder's coming along People are going to be focusing on what are the best wines for the Seder and what are the most expensive wines, or the most exciting wines. Um, and if you read my newsletter right before Pesach, I usually come out with a recommended list.
0: Please make sure you sign up. Um, go to Yossi's Corkboard.com.
2: Dot com. And um, and I recommend probably about 30 wines in four different price points, so under 15 or $16 usually, from 16 to 30 from 30 to 50 And then what I call Mashiach wines, which are the wines that I would – be happy to serve the Mashiach, or do you ever grace my presence. Oh,
0: presents. that's so cute. I love and that. And those are like
2: the extra special wines. A lot of times there are older vintages that have now aged to perfection and really are ready to drink. Some are harder to get than others, but there's really about 30 different recommendations that can really help people sort through all of the um, different options that they have these days. Um, but for today, I wanted to focus on what I like to call everyday wines, which unfortunately not enough people drink wine every day. But um, I but like
0: th- this guy. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, I t- to be honest, I only drink two things. I only drink water and wine. I drink water for hydration and wine for pleasure and don't really see a need to drink ever anything else. But coffee. I do know that...
0: But <laughs> well, I, I drink coffee now in between. Co- that is true. I coffee. do have a cup coffee. of coffee. Coffee that's in the true. morning and it's wine or water.
2: Right. I usually don't drink wine at this hour in the morning, but I do have a wine fridge in my office and, and I think that's an important part of anybody's day so the wines that I brought today are actually <laughs> the wines that I brought today are actually um, pretty pretty well priced I think uh, the white wine I brought is a is probably retails for under twenty dollars and the red wine probably about twenty five and at that price point, you can drink it very often they're 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 somewhat light they 're friendly they 're approachable they will appeal to a um, Wide range of 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 wine drinkers. Whether you're a sophisticated wine drinker who likes complexity and depth, and and uh, or someone who's just getting started and wants a tinge of uh, sweetness on it, so we can we can try them if you want. I can talk about them if you want. Yeah, but um, I've got my
0: KFWE wine glasses.
2: That's good. We seem to have a lot of them. So yeah. I hope other people will be drinking. Yeah, yeah. I figured you know. I do have to get back to Midtown from Bethes here. So. And
0: yeah, and I have to drive home. So you know, NCK and, and me, we'll have a little drink. Um. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nacham Siegel Network. Our show is also heard on Arut Sheva English Radio and our show is sponsored by natural and kosher cheeses when quality and flavor matter. We are right here in the studio on the lower east side. We are post-Purim. I call it Era of Pesach because it's only a couple of weeks away and I don't have my countdown app on. I can't give you the exact date, but from about 365 days, I count down Pesach. Um, and it's really, we are at the cusp. I can I can almost hear Kiddish at this point. Um, and we are talking with Yossi Horowitz, uh, a.k.a. Yossi's Corkboard. He is a wine expert. Can I call you an expert?
2: Just, I'm a drinker.
0: He's a drinker. Water and wine and coffee in the morning, just like me. Um, so we are sitting here. We are enjoying some, some food and wine talk.
2: So recently... There's been a very, over the last few years, I'd say there's been a large explosion of interest in both food and wine. I assume you've noticed this as well. And it's gone crazy. And more and more people have gotten into it, and there's more and more. Um, and as a result, producers are producing more and more options, but at the same time, sometimes too much is not a good thing, and people can get confused and and, and, and bewildered with a the, with the wide variation of um, options. And one of the problems is that these days there's very little... Um, information out there for for people to to select from. Most of the information available to the average consumer is either coming from the wine store, from the person who, who works in the wine store, or from the producers themselves who are very good about putting out marketing materials and explanations about the wine. But really the best way to learn about wine is to drink. And if you think, you may think that you know absolutely nothing about wine and you can discern nothing in a bottle of wine, but if you take two wines That are similar or dissimilar as, as you are interested, and you taste them side by side, you'll be astounded at how much you, how much difference you can tell between the two wines. Even if five minutes before you put that wine in your mouth, you knew absolutely nothing about wine. But if you only drink one wine at a time, let's say Friday night dinner, Shabbat lunch, you're, you're drinking just a bottle of wine, and you're like, wow, this was a really great wine. And then next week you have a different wine, and you're like, this is great wine too. It's very hard to tell the difference about why you liked one wine or why you didn't like another wine. It's really only by comparing the two together that you can do that. And there's a recent invention called the Coravin, which enables people to taste a little bit of wine from a bottle without actually taking out the cork. So you can...
0: Okay, let's back that up. What?
2: So this medical device... uh, We need to back that up. This medical device inventor um, named Greg Lambrecht came up with an invention called the Coravin, which is basically... I I'm meta- writing that down. K C-O-R-A-V-I-N.
0: C-O-R-A-V-I-N.
2: Okay. And what it basically does is it has a very thin needle that you can insert through the cork. And as you pour out the wine, it replaces the 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 wine, the space in the wine bottle that is vacated by the wine with argon gas, which is a neutral, innate, tasteless gas. And so you can pour yourself a glass of wine, pull the cork pull the needle out of the cork. The cork will, because it's a natural substance, will close on itself, and it will be as if you never open the wine. So you can have a really expensive bottle of wine.
0: ZK saw that on Shark Tank.
2: It's an amazing invention. Um, I don't use it that often because I very rarely Just have leftover wine. Or <laughs> I also it's not that don't. practical for me, but but it <laughs> but it has really opened up an opportunity for many people to 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 use th- all these great wines that they have, that they've been saving, that they've spent a lot of money on for a special occasion. On that note, for years, I've uh, you know, people write me a lot of emails. I, try, I pretty much respond to every email. I think when I started, I probably got 20 emails a week, and now I probably get 500 emails a week about and different you, things. And you do this
0: because you love it. You I do
2: it. I have no, as you'll see from my website, there are no ads. I have no commercial relationships. I, do, I don't I do even accept samples. I send them back. My doorman always complains. He's like, I don't have to send them back to the producer. I'll keep them. You don't have to take them. But um, I think that it's important to have... Um, to be n- as neutral as possible, and I think that, you know, the Torah teaches us this and, and, and various other uh, writings that, that it's very hard to maintain a lack of conflict of interest when you are getting something in return, whether whether it's a large something or a small something. So I've made a practice of actually never doing that. But the, the point is that, so y- you get a lot of emails, I respond to them, and, and a lot of the emails are about you know, I have this great bottle, you must love wine, why don't you come over and drink it with me or we can enjoy it together. And the concept that there are a lot of people who love wine and collecting wine, but they never find the right moment to open that bottle of wine. And many, many years ago, the the wine writers for the Wall Street Journal, uh, Dottie Geithner and her husband, whose name escapes me at this moment, came up with this concept called Open That Bottle Night, which was everybody has these bottles right. and nobody ever opens them because... And many people who are listening who, who have wine collections will understand the feeling of it's Friday afternoon, you're preparing for Shabbat, you're thinking about who your guests are going to be, you pull out that drawer in your wine fridge, or you look at the counter, wherever it is that you keep your wine, hopefully not on the counter, and, <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, they don't really like wine, so this wine's too good for them, this wine won't be appreciated, I'm the only one who's going to drink it, do I really want to open a $200 bottle, dollar bottle of wine, or even a $50 bottle of wine, or a wine that holds some sort of meaning for me, whether it's expensive or not, and then you push back the shelf, and then you end up depriving yourself of own wine, So the concept was actually brilliant, and it became quite a thing in the non-kosher uh, wine world called Open That Bottle Night, where people are getting together. And a few years ago, I decided that the time had come um, that the Jewish world would have an equivalent, except as a avid lover of wine, I felt that once a year was a little bit Not schwach. Enough. It was yes. a little schwach. I mean, I once a year. It. I mean, waiting a whole year to drink your wine. So I came up with the concept call, that I call it the Rosh Chodesh Club, which is once a month. Um, I invited, you know, again, I reached out to a bunch of people I knew in the area, some not in the area, and I told them, you know, once a month, you're all going to come to my house, nine people, because my wife has, you know, a lot of patients, but it is limited nonetheless, and everybody's going to bring a bottle, that special bottle that you want to share with like-minded individuals, we're going to have a few, you know, vittles, some nosh, whatever, we're going to hang out, and it's just going to be for fun, it's not going to be... An intellectual exercise. We're not going to have a blind tasting. It's just going to be bringing that bottle of wine that you want to share with your friends. We're going to get together. I'm going to find like-minded people. I'm going to make sure that all the bottles are more or less, you know, fair. And and it really took off. And where you know, last last week was um, last week was Rosh Chodesh Nissan, or just we just yeah. passed Rosh Chodesh Nissan, and and it was our it was our anniversary. Uh, it was our third year anniversary, number I'm 37 of the Rosh Chodesh Club in my, my house. I can actually show you the menu from, from two times ago. The menu Ooh. from the anniversary was a uh, thing. And because I two like times it. ago for Rosh Chodesh Adar Ber, we did a Vena'afolchu, and we did um, the food theme, at least, was breakfast for dinner. And um, most of the time, a friend of mine does the cooking. The last few months, Who I so I did the, for the last few months, I've been doing the cooking on my own.
0: Dak and waffles. That's like my favorite combo. I love fried chicken and waffles.
2: Well, this was duck confit. Duck confit, uh, yeah. Which was easier Bacon to make. Bacon
0: hash. Re- okay, remise. I cannot read French. Ambrouche.
2: And it's like an amuse-boucher. It's to, it's to, uh, to yeah. flush your palate. So we had uh, steak, grapefruit brulee. Steak
0: and eggs. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Can I come to the next one?
2: <laughs> you, I can put you on the invitation put list. Me I can guarantee. Uh, uh, it'll come up. Yeah, I've but, I've, but
0: a, I've actually had that dessert wine, the gowitz
2: Gewirtz Yeah,
0: we had it right here in the studio. The Late
2: harvest. It's very good. Yes, it was delicious. And it went well with the uh, French toast, with the uh, pineapple-infused coconut whipped cream and grilled pineapple. <laughs> with candied maple, duck bacon. It was actually very good. The food was never intended to be a big part of it, but it's kind of grown. The amazing thing about it is... I'm
0: seeing the other menu.
2: The amazing thing about it is not the fact that we've done this for three years straight in my apartment or that there are 20 people on the waiting list every month, but that there are 50, between 15 and 20 franchises around the world that have grown of other people who, are, who, who thought it was a good idea. Now there's pretty much a regular monthly, we call it RCC for Osh Club Club in, in uh, Lakewood, Miami, Los Angeles, Chicago. Two in Israel. And
0: these are all Strasbourg.
2: friends of yours? No, Just no.
0: People who, but they've connected with you.
2: They they heard about the idea from me. They read about and it on they, my and newsletter and or on it. Facebook or something like that. And and they either asked me if they could come to mine or it's a little bit far to travel. And it it happens I'd pretty much. P-
0: I'd get on a plane to come to this. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: And it's a lot of fun. We have really great wines, and you know I. I, being a lawyer, I have a lot of rules set around the, the roche Cottage Club, and uh, uh, some of the other ones are a little more lenient, so they're probably easier to get into. Um, we limit the wines to uh, vintage 2009 or earlier. We started with seven. Every year we grow a little, and it has to be a bottle that's not really commercially available because the point really wasn't go to the store, buy a really expensive bottle, and come. It was more this is for the people who have the stuff at home, who have been collecting it, and really just want a place to share it with a bunch of friends.
0: You, I, bought a, I was in Paris in 1999. I worked the point system back then when it was uh, not so popular to do it. I was already doing it. So I went with my husband. It was going to be my 30th birthday, and all I wanted was go to London and Paris. We actually have friends in both cities, so we stayed in both cities with our friends. We took the train, flew to London, took a few days there, took the train across to Paris, spent a few days with our friends. I bought a bottle of wine in Paris. It's still, it's 2016, it's still in my wine cabinet i haven't opened it yet well,
2: i'm scared to ask you what it was because there are very few wines you could have bought in 1999 that would still be good today i know I, i'm going to send you a picture of it you might get lucky i'm going to send
0: you a picture of it. maybe it's worth like a fortune i can pay um, off my daughter's wedding in one shop with it probably not fortune's right? a little
2: bit of a stretch <laughs> i think probably the most expensive kosher bottle these days you know it doesn't really retail because it's not for sale but it's probably just shy of a thousand dollars you know if you have large format of older bottles and things like that like Magnums, which are two bottles, or double Magnums. I wasn't a big w-
0: I mean, I always liked wine. I grew up with my wine. My dad was a wine importer in Australia. So, you know, I, I definitely knew, you know, was having wine a lot earlier in, than I probably should have been drinking. Um, but uh, it looked like a cool bottle and I bought it. And I said, one day I'm going to drink this wine. And So there you go. And it's... Now 2000. Time for a Scottish club in your community. I know, right? But it's either going to be balsamic vinegar or it's going to be awesome. Probably won't
2: be balsamic vinegar, but unfortunately for you, 1999 was not such a great vintage year in Bordeaux. The only reason I know that is because that was the year I got married, so I have a fair amount of bottles um, (laughs) that I drink on an annual basis, which is another fun thing to do. You know, you buy wine the year your children are born and then you save it till their 21st uh, birthday. Well, again, I have friends who did that in the kosher wine world these days. 20 years is just is at this point pretty much the outer range of the limit of aging capability that we have, but that's very rapidly changing together with this increased interest. Producers are kind of digging deeper and reaching further to produce higher end and and more quality wines have the ability to age for longer and cost more money as well. Um, But like I said, today I thought we would focus on two wines that... that um, from two israeli producers that i that i that i that I really really like, one of them is the Tabor winery, which has been around for quite some time, but in the last couple of years has um had quite a revival and has been making very serious quality wines. but what they're actually in my opinion deserve the most recognition for is they make wines with very very good q p r as in quality to price ratio, so you're getting really good bang for your buck they actually in Israel they had uh, a few weeks ago they had the, they have their a- annual uh, best value competition uh-huh. and the Tobora Winery took home A-metal, gold, silver or, or, or bronze in nearly every single category. The interesting thing is that they succeeded most more on their white wines which is as the kosher consumer has become a little bit more sophisticated there's much more interest in white wines. And why, their, and
0: why do people love like red wines over white wines? I'm a big white wine drinker. I love white wine in any...
2: I think historically white wines have – red wines are more prestigious. They last yeah, they for longer. Like, they're more expensive.
0: They sound like so fancy, but I'm like, you know, white wines to me – You know, I'm for a long like
2: time, it. Robert Parker was kind of the driving force in the wine world, not necessarily the kosher one, and and he liked big, oaky, fruit-forward wines that were big and robust. And I think that when people spend money on something, they like it. It's like when you go to a a, a restaurant – changing a little bit, but you know, the, the average kosher consumer, when he goes to a restaurant he's paying $100 for a meal, he expects to have you know, 19 pounds of steak on his plate and you know, some, some French fries because otherwise he doesn't feel like he's getting his money's right, worth. Right, but if, right. he goes to a, if he goes to a restaurant and has a dish that probably took the chef 40 hours to prepare, but it's the size of a button, but the flavors are all perfectly melded and explodes in his mouth – he feels like he's been gypped. So I think the wine, right. the wine follows that a little bit, too. People had more expectations. But as people drink more, they realize that you don't necessarily want a big oaked red wine at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or for breakfast. You want a lighter wine, a sparkling wine, a refreshing wine. And so the wine I brought today is the, from Tabor Winery in their Adamas series. And this is their Sauvignon Blanc from 2014. Um, due to the fact that 2015 is uh, Shemitah in Israel, there's going to be very little um, 2015 wines available in the United States. So I would suggest stocking up on some of the 2014s. While generally you want to drink rose and white wines is within a year of harvest, two years you're, you're going to be fine. And this is a wine that I cannot recommend enough as an everyday wine. Like I said, I think it retails. Probably even closer to $15. I mean, it depends where you buy and how you buy. Now
0: t- I'm snapping a picture of these two wine bottles with a wine still in it. it. They happen <laughs> to so we'll make a merlot, which
2: I know has, you know, some some uh, image issues. But so let's pour and drink. they make certainly they make a merlot as well in this series that provides value for money well beyond equivalent to a $40 wine and not the $20 wine it is.
0: I love the fact that you've got um, this wine with a bottle. With a screw top. Uh, with a screw top. I used to think that that was cheap junk wine. Jay them, taught me otherwise. But I used to think, oh, it doesn't have a cork. It's not fancy. But it's not true. Well, cor-
2: well the, the point of a cork is that it enables the wine to age in the bottle. It allows a little bit of oxidation to the wine that it needs over time. But it protects it sufficiently so it doesn't spoil. Most white wines, like I said, are going to be drunk within. Right. I mean, most wines are drunk within a few hours of purchase. But most white wines, white wines are meant to drink for the most part. Within a year or two of being purchased, and therefore having a screw top makes perfect sense. It actually is a better for the wine. Funnily enough, speaking back about the Coravin, Gregs I- is working on a Corvin that will actually work with a screw top as well, because more and more high quality wines are being bottled. Unbelievable! Up to screw top days, and that's a big thing of theirs. That w- and sparkling
0: wine. We have. Um, I wrote down a question. You reminded me. White wine should be drunk at what temperature? You know, and white stored wine, should be, white wine should be
2: drunk at whatever temperature you enjoy it. wine, okay. wine sometimes. I
0: live like cold white wine.
2: Sometimes my, me and my peers, you know, other wine writers or bloggers, um, take wine to too much of an extreme and forget that it's ultimately just a beverage. And it's a great beverage and it's a, and it's a romantic beverage and a, it's something that is alive and changes and is pleasurable and is a lot of fun. But it's just to drink. And you should really only drink wine that you enjoy. Oh, of course. And if somebody else says this is a great wine, you should try it. But if you don't like it, you shouldn't listen to that person anymore.
0: Right, no. (laughs)
2: Because, you know, it's a palate and different people like different things. People get very stuck on what the right wine is, what the best wine is and things like that. But, um, you know, this is a very, it's got a lot of acid in it, which keeps the the wine fresh and vibrant and crisp in your mouth. But it's also got a lot of fruit, a lot of citrus in it. It's got a little bit of that grassy flavor that, 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 that people look for in a Sauvignon Blanc, but it's really a pleasurable wine, and it goes with pretty much everything. I've had the wine with scrambled eggs. I've had the wine on its own. I've even had the wine with, 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 with duck and things like that, and you drink what you want when you want it. This um,
0: is awesome. This is very nice.
2: You no, know, I usually don't drink most of the wine I taste. I spit, but I felt like that would be inappropriate on your show, so I I'm actually going to drink it.
0: Oh, I have, I have a garbage bag we can... It's so good, right, TK? Are you doing a selfie there?
2: I really like the wine. So just to touch on the other wine. So, so the Tabor Winery mm. is, is a winery. It's imported. It's widely available. The, they have a lot of different wines and a lot of different levels. Their whites in the Adamas series are, are by far the best value mm. you can get. Their Merlot has been for the last couple of years a phenomenal, phenomenal valley, value, li- literally a, a $40 value at $20. The second winery I I wanted to just briefly mention yeah. was Reconati, which is owned by uh, Italian banker Lenny Reconati, and also a larger winery. Tabor larger than makes more uh, wine than Reconati. But Reconati really is is one of the wineries in Israel that has spent a lot of time focusing on what a Mediterranean varietal is, and using wines and, and, and grapes that are more suited for the climate of the Mediterranean, as opposed to Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Chardonnay, which are the most noble of all varieties, Um, but they come from France, which has a very different climate or parts of France that have a very different climate than Israel. And while that's what the customer wants and your average person is always looking for a Cabernet Sauvignon, the vast majority of Cabernet Sauvignons out there are not good. And they are the quality within a series of wines at a winery between the Cabernet Sauvignon and some of the more esoteric varietals like Petit Syrah, Carignan, even Merlot are going to be of a far higher quality because it's much easier to sell Cabernet Sauvignon. So the better, ca- the better quality grapes will go into the next level right. up. But it's much harder to sell Carignan, Petit Syrah, on the white side, Viognier, Gewurztraminer, because the people are less familiar with them. So those, that's where the real bargains are to be found. Reconati, has, they do pr- produce a Cabernet Sauvignon, they do produce those kind of varietals, but they have made a lot of focus on what they call Mediterranean varietals, which are varietals that come from the southern Rhone, of France, which has a climate that's much more like Israel's, and the one I brought today was a Petit Syrah, which is one of my, which is one of my okay, we've got go-to our four wines. wine glasses. Um, and again, this retails for probably under twenty-five dollars. Certainly during the Pesach sales, you can get a, you can get a good price on it. And it's a very, it's one of my go-to wines to serve to people who aren't so into wine, or who you know, who come to my house asking for that atrocious excuse for wine that that comes in a colorful bottle. And, you know, my goal is not to allow people <laughs> to, to drink that.
0: We all know what you're talking about.
2: Well, I don't like to. You know. Yeah, no, One it's One of the things okay. you'll notice if you ever look at my
0: newsletter. You're never negative. Is that I,
2: I never will, I will never say something positive about a wine I didn't like. But due to the fact that I have no commercial bent here and it's really just for the love of the game, I felt that there was very little value in, in writing nasty things about right, wine. I never
0: speak bad about anything.
2: If I taste wine that I don't like or a winery that I don't like or have a negative experience, I just don't write about it, period.
0: Well, I write – people say I'm always so I, – I must love everything because everything I write about is always so positive. But there's so much stuff I've eaten that I don't write about – so what you see is only 50 percent of what I've eaten. I eat, and there is some stuff it, I don't
2: like. I think I have it better than you because I think the the ratio of good to bad on w- wine is probably unfortunately better than the good to ratio of bad right. on food, which <laughs> is which is frankly one of the reasons that the Rothschild's Club has been su- such a success because the food there has been so um, has been such a su- such a thing. I mean, to be honest, I only cook once a month for these things. My wife does all the cooking at home. Um, Mrs. is In typical in typical <laughs> male fashion, I cook. You know, I could take four days to cook, use seventy or eighty different utensils, pots and pans to cook these four or five dishes. You know what? My
0: husband has one. He's an amazing cook. He's much better than you. He only uses one piece of equipment. Toaster. The toaster oven. There you go. And a knife, because you can smear the cream cheese. You can do a lot in
2: a toaster oven. But my wife will cook a four-course dinner for twenty-five guests in two hours hours. and have the kitchen clean before I get home. So clearly, you know, the, the the you know. But it's fun and you do it once in a while and we've, you know, made some interesting things and Love had it. a lot of time. So this wine is a petite sira, like I said, which does really well in Israel. It's got it's a lot of fruit on the nose. It's a little bit sweet, which isn't actually sugar. It's, it's not a sweet smells, wine, it's a lot of fruit. It smells divine. It is it is a delicious wine and um there's some blueberry some hints of blue fruit in there which are you know, some hints of blueberry. And then you get a little bit of chocolate, you get a little bit of the acid, the tannins are pretty well integrated. It's just a nice wine that you can drink every day at $25. You know, you can have a glass or two and over two or three days, you know, finish it up. And and people ask me a lot, what do I do with the leftover wine? And I tell them that if you're drinking it the next day, you put a cork back in it, you stick it in the fridge overnight, and you're done. If you're going to keep it for, for more than a day or two, what I typically do is I'll pour it into a Poland Springs bottle or something like that, only because you can pour the wine into the bottle, and then squeeze the bottle until the wine gets actually right to the top.
0: We've never heard that on Table for Two before. We've had a lot of wine talk. We've had a lot of talk about what to do with your leftovers. No one has ever bought never,
2: that. Never, ever, ever use a vacuum thing. Did you ever. hear that? Did it you all hear that? So much about, right, remember, only fi- your mouth can only taste five tastes, right? There's sweet, sour.
0: Let's pretend. What? Umami, the new one. Uh,
2: well, umami's not so new, but it's a big part of Japanese new, and Korean New-ish. Uh, is like a savory sa- really savory, meaty kind of you get that from mushrooms. Nutty. you get that from you get that from aged meat. you might call it funky, that's also unami. and um, and but everything comes from your nose, and there's all these wonderful smells that you read about in tasting notes. blueberry, blackberry, stuff like that all comes mm. from your nose.: um, Yes,
0: I could uh, that's why I really. so when you,
2: when you when you have a leftover bottle and use one of those kind of vacuum pumpers. It takes a lot of stuff, it takes a lot of the aromatics out of the wine and it can deaden the wine. So it's really okay. a waste. Put it in a plastic bottle, it won't interact badly with the wine. I love it. Squeeze that you're it to the top. Shut the bottle. and I mean, I should start by saying you shouldn't have leftover wine. But in the <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> incident where you don't want to drink a whole bottle by yourself or you don't have, you know, your, your spouse, your children, whoever you are drinking with isn't around and you do have leftover wine, put it in a pol- put it just cork it and put it in the fridge overnight. You'll be fine. If you're not sure that you're going to drink it the next night, Plastic bottle. Squeeze it gently till the wine rises absolutely to the top. Shut it, and you're good to go for two or three days. I
0: love that. I love that. I found this wine a little too dry for me. Okay. I definitely loved that white one. Okay.
2: You should work on it.
0: I should work on it. Yeah. I'm thinking like cheese, a nice sharp cheese would go well with that. I'm not sure what you would do with
2: that. This wine really goes with pretty much anything. I mean, I know people spend a lot of time focusing on food and wine pairing, and, uh, and I, I love and to And there's eat, a lot of things to together. do, but I think that if you have a basic understanding about foods with respect to acid, fat, sugar, t- tannin, and things like that, you're pretty good. We, I think we're running out of time. Yeah. Getting looks here. So. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. I, I just we are we are r- wrapping up our hour. I think that you could do. We were joking before the whole hour with you. You're amazing. I am
2: happy to talk about food and wine whenever. And we
0: didn't get to talk so much food. So you're going to have to come back and we'll we'll do a lot. Uh, that We'll would have be the my Yossi pleasure. Horowitz hour. This was so much fun.
2: I am going to drink my wine while you up. You drink your up.
0: wine. I just want to do a quick what's for dinner segment. Uh, inspired by this white wine that we have had, I'm I'm feeling like a fish. Um, so I have this, and this is a Pesach recipe. Libes makes a um, a sweet chili. I drew a blank there for a second. A sweet chili sauce. I happen to love sweet chili sauce and salmon. So you take a, a side of salmon, two pound side, you put on a piece of parchment paper on on a cookie sheet, and then you put the fish skin side down on that, and then you put some sweet chili sauce, and then sprinkle some Pesach thick panko crumbs, um, and then some black salt. If you can get some black salt for Pesach, if it's not Pesach, use black sesame seeds, or you can just leave it out altogether if you can't get any. And then bake it at 350 degrees for 20 minutes, 25 at the most. Please do not overcook your salmon. This was our what's for dinner segment, sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glatt, and our fish is always from fresh from Aussies. And I would like to drink this with the Tabor wine because I already know that these flavors are going to go nicely together. Um, I've had, I make that, that's almost my to-go salmon. Um, when I need to make a fish quick and easy, I always have sweet chili sauce in the house. My kids like the sweet with a kick. They like mixing of the two flavors, um, together. And I, I would, I would drink that with this Tabor Adama Sauvignon Blanc. I think would be a really great match together. Wow. And now it goes by just like that.
2: It does. It does, especially when you're talking about wine or food. Wine
0: right, or food. That Yerba that she made, Beth just had to leave, it was really outstanding um, I, I could not believe it. Wow. So I have to add that to my repertoire of cooking. This has been a really fun show, Table for Two and Naomi Nachman on the Nacham Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Natural and Kosher Cheeses, when quality and flavor matter. Stay listening. We've got music right up until Lech Benching, sponsored by our friends at... Kerem. Um, Stay tuned. We got a whole bunch of Pesach shows coming up. We got Susie and Jay coming up in the next couple of weeks, as well as Shifra Klein from Joy of Kosher. Have a happy, um, good Shabbos, and uh, happy cooking.